This morning I am reading from Genesis 13, 5 through 18. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, but the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herdsmen and the herdsmen of Lot. The Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So Abram said to Lot, Let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herdsmen and mine, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked up and saw the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered like the garden of the Lord like the land of Egypt toward Zor. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, Lift your eyes from where you are and look north and south, east and west. All the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the land and breath of the land, for I am giving it to you. So Abram moved his tents and went to live near the great trees of Mamre of Hebron, where he built an altar to the Lord. Good morning. I wanted to share with you about a place that is in the continental divide, high above in the Rocky Mountains. And there is there a small stream that separates at a particular point And it's so tiny that it wouldn't seem that it would matter to which way the small stream would flow. And as drops enter that stream, it would seem to be insignificant. But the reality of this place, high above the Rocky Mountains at the Continental Divide, is that if one drop goes to the west, it flows into the Colorado River, and then it empties into the Gulf of California, and then into the Pacific Ocean. If another drop falls and goes to the east, it goes towards the Mississippi River and dumps into the Gulf of Mexico and ends up in the Atlantic Ocean. There was a place, one small stream, that split. Choices that we make every day end up often like those streams that go in two opposite directions, one ending up in the Pacific and one in the Atlantic. And this morning we're going to talk about choices in our lives, choices that we make every day. Every single day as we, as we leave this church this morning, some choices are quite simple and then some will weigh heavy upon us. Choices that will either take us down a path where we choose to follow the Lord Jesus Christ 
and it ends up becoming part of the river of life. Or we choose ourselves, for ourselves, to build our kingdom, to serve ourselves, and that drop that splits, flows, and dumps into the Dead Sea. Choices every day that we make. And so this morning we're going to look at the story of Abram and Lot, his nephew. And we are going to see where their choices lead us. And see how they were at that place where there became a divide. And what is God calling upon us as followers of Jesus Christ? Which choice shall we make? I wanted us to be reminded of the wisdom of the Proverbs. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which is very familiar to you and to me. But as we face choices today, let this rest in your heart. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all of your ways, and He will make your paths straight. That, I think, is the key for us in whatever choice that we're making today. That we would bring our loving God into the picture, into the framework of our lives, and that we would lean not on our understanding of the situation, but that we would lean on our God. In all your choices, acknowledge Him. And He is the one who makes our path straight. There's great rest in that, isn't there? I don't have to make my path straight. I need to lean on God. I need to acknowledge that He is in control of this situation. I need to acknowledge who He is in my life. To not leave Him out. And so I pray that this morning for us. That we would acknowledge Him and lean upon Him. Let me pray for us. Father, we come to you this morning uh, full of life, full of burdens, full of choices that we will face today. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would minister to us through your Holy Spirit, that you would send your counselor that would be the one who would give us guidance, that your word would direct us. Because, Father, we want to follow you, and I pray that you would break through our rebellious spirit, a spirit that doesn't want to listen to you. And, Father, where our faith fails, would you enter in and help us to hold on to you. When we don't understand these times, we don't understand how the day is going to work out. And so, Father, this morning we come humbly, we come into your presence, And we surrender our lives to you. Send your spirit upon this body, I pray. In your precious name. Amen. Abram, if you remember from last week, he chose, in chapter 12, for himself. He chose to live life in his own understanding. I will go ahead and I'll pawn off my wife, Sarah. I'll say she's my sister so that I will have prosperity so that things will go well for me. 
so that I can fix the situation because maybe the Egyptians might kill us if they find out she's my wife. And so my understanding, Abram's thinking, is that I need to fix this. I need to figure out how to make it work. And he chooses for himself. He didn't trust God's plans for his life as God had already laid out for him. Abram, I give you this land. Go and take it. And I love this part of the story in chapter 13. Because Abram comes up out of Egypt. He ends up in the Negev. Everything that they had. Until he came, verse 3, to the place called Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, which his tent had been earlier, and where he first had built an altar. And there, Abram called on the name of the Lord. Abram had been here before. And one of the things that I love about the Lord and his character, and one of the things that he does with you and me, is he brings us full circle. Here, Abram, I give you this. I give you life. Go, take the land. It's yours. I make a covenant with you. And we say, thank you, Lord. Now I will go and now I'll choose for myself. And look what God does in his grace. He delivers Abram out of Egypt and he brings him back right to the place where he started. That's our God of second chances and third chances and many chances to live for him, to choose him. God is so full of grace when we mess up, so full of grace in offering us another opportunity. His desire, again, because we are his beloved children, is that we would choose him to to live, to experience life and not death. And the place that he camps out is important for me, and it's significant, I think, as, as, as we look at the names of the place. He sets up his tent and he builds an altar in the land between Bethel, which is house of God, and Ai, heap of ruins. And he's right in the middle. And oftentimes we are right there. And it's right at that point where we have to make a choice. In chapter 12, we saw Abram choose heap of ruins. I will choose for myself, and it ends up becoming destruction in my life. I didn't bring God into the picture at all. I just chose for what I thought would work. And as he comes around this time, and what I love, and this is what God does in our lives as we surrender to him, is that he finally says, okay, Lord, I'm here back at the same place. Here, I will build this altar. I will worship you. And what we're going to start to see is the transformation of Abram, which happens to you and me as we surrender to the Lord Jesus. We start to move towards the house of God. We start to take steps of faith to say, Lord, I I don't understand it, but here we go. And that God is walking with us every step of the way. You can't miss the character of God in the middle of this. And he built an altar to the Lord, and he's learning to trust God for his circumstances. And as he takes that first step of faith, there arises conflict in the land. Isn't that typical? As soon as you say, 
yes, Lord, I'm going to follow you. Man, there is the enemy and there is our flesh and there is just the sin of the world. And we face it right off the bat. And so all of a sudden we see in verse 7, as Abraham is learning to step into to faith, learning to trust God, the word gets out, hey, the herdsmen of Lot and the herdsmen of Abraham, uh, now still Abram, are at conflict. They both come into the land very prosperous. The reality is their herds, all the cattle and the sheep and everything that they have, they can't all fit in one area. They're so massive. And so the herdsmen are quarreling, and there now is, is obvious conflict. And so Abram is learning to trust God, to seek his heart in the middle of conflict, in the middle of relationship that is struggling. And I hope this morning that you and I can see, as we learn to trust God in these relationships that we have, how to take steps to choose Life in the relationship. One of the things that Abraham does, right off the bat, is that he decides, listen, I've gotten word that there is problems. Now, for many of us, we get word that there is problems. And our tendency right off the bat is to go, well, that's too bad. I hope it works out. I don't really want to enter into the mess. It's hard. It takes time. It's going to have to deal with me, and I'm going to, you know, it's just, uh, we don't want to do it. And what we see of Abram in his trust and in his leadership is Abram steps right into the situation. He doesn't step into the situation with a sense of, hey, listen, Lot, I'm going to fix you. He comes with humility. And he enters in with Lot, recognizing that there's a problem. I hope that we can do that as brothers and sisters in Christ together. That we would recognize with each other, sometimes we wrong each other. Sometimes we really wound one another. It's not even intentional often. And when we get word of it, that we wouldn't avoid the situation. But that we would come with humility We would enter in not with, I'm going to make sure that you are right, you get it right, because I know I'm right in the situation. And Lot doesn't, or Abraham doesn't say to Lot, Lot, what is your problem? What is the problem with your herdsmen? Do you see any of that from Abram? Not at all. He steps into the conflict, and he enters into his life. And he reminds Lot of the big picture. Lot, we are brothers. We are relationship. You are valuable to me. We're going to see later on, I think Abram really loved Lot. He goes after him later on in chapter 14. He rescues him in a situation that's very trying and challenging. I think he cared for Lot. We always see of Lot that Lot was, the Hebrews, he's like right there. And Lot with him. And you see, and Lot with him. And Lot with him. Even though that could be annoying sometimes, I think Abram really loved Lot. Lot, were brothers. He was obviously his nephew, but he's saying that we are tight. 
We have relationship. We're close. You're important to me. Let's not have strife in the land. Lot, you're not my enemy. Do you ever sometimes in your marriage wake up and you look at your husband or wife and you have to come to this realization that, you know what? They are not my enemy. We've been battling it out. Things have not been going well. But they are not my enemy. They are my oneness. They are my spouse. And sometimes you need to just step into that and go, you know what? You are my husband. You're my wife. And we're going to walk through this. You're not my enemy. And the enemy, the real enemy, loves to plant that seed. This one that you married has now become your enemy. Look at how they treat you. And I know the Lord wants to minister to you right now to say, wake up and realize that beautiful person that you're next to is not your enemy. That's your gift from God. That's your oneness that you covenanted with. Rejoice in that. And look how he enters into the situation Abram does. Follow this drop of water that is going to pour from the river of life and to the river of life. He says this, Lot, you choose. You choose. If you choose to the right, I'll go to the left. If you choose east, I'll go west. You choose. And as you read this passage, if you have any sense of justice or any sense of what is right, you go, wait a second. This is Abram. This is the one that God covenanted with. He is the patriarch. He is the one that God says this land will be yours. If there's anything that is right and just here and appropriate, it's that Abram would get to choose. And he surrenders that to Lot. He says, Lot, you choose. And this is what I think God is trying to teach us out of this story. And how to live in the way of Abram which is that Abram chose at that place right there. He chose relationship and the value of that relationship over rights. He chose relationship over getting his way. And I think that's God's call to each and every one of us when we deal with struggle in relationship and conflict in the land. Are we going to choose relationship over rights? Are we going to choose to sacrifice rather than spoil the bond? And that's a question I want you to think through for a minute. Where do I need to give up my rights and grab on to the vine of Christ where his life pours into us? Are you demanding in your relationship with either your spouse or a dear friend that it has to be fair? Are you keeping score of how they've treated you? Are we going to play the war between Israel and the Palestinians? And you bombed us, and so now we bomb you. And you bombed us, and so now we bomb you. We owe you back. Are you keeping score? And saying the relationship isn't really worth it that much. My rights are what I'm fighting for. Do you need to ask forgiveness? Even though you feel that they're the one who should come to you 
and ask for forgiveness? Is God, through his spirit, prompting you to say, you know what, get over yourself like Abram did, enter into the situation, say, you know what, I've wronged you here. I need to say I'm sorry for the way I've treated you. I want to be right with you. Are you demanding justice? Relationship is more valuable than our rights. I know a lot of you have, as you've been dealing with your family members, and they're having to deal with the estate of the family. That's a challenging place to be. And there's money on the table. And there's fighting over what goes where. And if you're in the middle of that right now, I just want to encourage you to say, God, through your strength, I want to choose today you, Father, and I want to choose that this relationship with my siblings is more valuable than my rights. It would be nice to have some of that money, but if we're going to end up in all of this conflict over this, I choose to trust you, Jesus, to work through this situation, that you know what I need, that you know what needs to happen here, that we choose him, that we don't demand our way. Remember in Romans 14, there was a situation of, of those who were eating meat sacrificed to idols, and those who wouldn't because they struggled with it spiritually, they were like, how can we do that? It was sacrificed to an idol, and ah, it doesn't feel good to me. And here's Paul's response to us. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness. The kingdom of God is a matter of peace. The kingdom of God is a matter of joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God, which I know is our desire, and at the same time, the scriptures say, and you are approved to men. That those who watch your life in Christ, when you choose relationship over rights, all of a sudden, your reputation before those around you is that of God's character and his love, his joy and his peace. Therefore, let us make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food, for the sake of your rights. I'm free in Christ. I can eat that meat. doesn't matter. God's doing a work in those relationships. Don't destroy that just so you can have your rights in your way. Because relationship is more important than your rights. Romans chapter 14. Then we see that Abram is learning again to choose, and then we see the way of Lot. And let's look for a moment. Two men at that point on the continental divide, both looking over the same land. One part of that stream and the drops that flow into it are going to go to the west. Part is going to go to the east. Lot, as he chooses at this point, is going to go make a choice that will pour into the Dead Sea. And so this part of the scriptures, starting in verse 11, 
is a warning to us. It's a guard for us that we would not choose the way of Lot because we think it looks right, we think it looks good, but it pours into the Dead Sea. Verse 10 says, Then Lot looked up. And the Hebrew is very clear. He took a long time to survey the land. He soaked it all in. And as he looked, you know what flashed before his eyes? Money signs. He came in with prosperity, and he wanted that to continue on. There is beautiful watering here. It's lush. My animals will be able to feed and get fat. My herds will increase. It is like the garden of God. I mean, it's, it's the image of it's perfect for my prosperity. He says it's like Egypt, Egypt which was so commercial and, and, and full of abundance and wealth. And he, in his mind again, goes back to Egypt, which they were just delivered from. Ah, oh, the land is like this. I will have success here. And Lot looked up, and he sets the stage. And then the Scriptures say, So Lot chose for himself. And where is God in the picture? Nowhere. Nowhere. I will choose by my own sight, by what I understand to be the way to have prosperity, by the way I understand that things will work out for me. And it was at that point, right there, the outcome of this selfish, godless, greedy, choice that Lot's life would have incredible consequence for that decision. The way of Lot would take him further than he ever thought he would end up in his sin. He chose himself. As we studied, or not studied, but as we saw in the paper, there, there was in Somalia recently, and there's been all kinds of pirate attacks. And the most recent one was they dropped down $3 million onto the tanker, the oil tanker. And the pirates got the money. They held them for hostage and they got the ransom. And then they get into their little boat and they sink with their $3 million and they die. That is the way of Lot. It looks like I got my money. It looks like everything worked out exactly as I planned. But the reality, when we choose for ourselves and when we choose sin and when we choose to live without God involved at all, we die spiritually. It's a separation from God. And our spiritual life goes to the depths. He chose for himself to set his own path and as we see in the scriptures, at first starts, Lot looked towards Sodom, 13.10. Then he moved his tents towards Sodom, 13.12. Next we find him living in Sodom in chapter 14. Then in chapter 19 of Genesis, he is at the gates of Sodom. He's literally a city official of Sodom. And then he barely escapes Sodom with, with his daughters, his wife is taken out of the picture. 
pillar of salt. Just gets out, we find him hiding in a cave somewhere. And he's in a bad place. And then his daughters get him drunk. And there's a terrible scene that takes place. And out of that, that time with his daughters and his drunkenness, the Amorites are born and the Moabites, two of the strongest enemies of Israel for the rest of history. And it all started at that point. I will choose for myself. And I think the author is giving us a real warning. Some choices may seem just little choices. Some choices are monumental. That we would choose life. That we would choose Christ. And you know what? Maybe you're here today. And you're standing right at that edge. And you're looking over the land. And wondering what choice you should make. And you're taking a good long look. And if you're right there this morning, I want to encourage you before the Lord to pause, to be still, to know that He is God, to invite God into your situation, to beg Him to show you the way of life. Lot saw with his own eyes. He didn't include God. He leaned on his own understanding. He moved into the Jordan, which means valley of death. He didn't see what really is the situation. He moved into the place that the Scriptures very clearly indicate was full of wickedness and evil men he moved in. And we often struggle. We often struggle in making the choice. And the question is, will we choose greed or will we choose godliness? Will we choose to make sure we have financial security or will we ask God, God, where do you have me? I know you take care of my needs. You know, in this time, we struggle with finance. And we're often placed in this decision right now, as I know many have lost work. You go, will I just automatically choose... A job has been offered, and it's out there, and I've got to move to another place, but it's going to give me money. Do we just choose and say, money is there, I can see the land? I know that's a wrestling because you want to provide for your family, and you, you, you need to pay the bills. But in all these choices, do we acknowledge God? Do we say, Lord, show me. Do we say, Lord, how will this affect my family? Here's something that's been offered to me. It sure looks prosperous. It looks like I can enter into it. It's right there. What about the cost to your family? Do they have relationships? What about family of, of the body of Christ? Are you able actually to move close to Sodom, to the city, to obtain the money? Can you handle it? Will you impact that community? Or will it impact you? It's choices. That we need to sit before God versus I will look up for myself, I will choose for myself. And obviously, here it is. Look, money's been offered. And it's going to be prosperous and it will be smooth. I think the question again always goes back to do we acknowledge God in all of our ways? Lord, at least... I need to say, I don't know if this is a good choice. Help me. Let us not live in our own strength. Let us not 
just go, oh, there's money there, so I'll take it. Yet that society just leads you down a path which is destructive for all of your life. Lot chose for himself. Well, what if we made that choice? What if we made the choice of Lot already? What if we've, our river has flowed down into the Dead Sea, it seems like? The word reminds us of who our God is and how gracious he is. That God is willing to forgive us as we choose him. As we say, Lord, forgive me, I left you out of this picture. Lord, I chose sin over life in you. The Lord is ready to forgive us if you have made the choice of Lot. But the question is, this day, choose whom you will serve now. Will you build an altar now unto the Lord? Will you now today move towards house of God versus heap of ruins? That God is allowing you and will empower you and will cleanse you and will give you the strength to move into life with him. And you know what the reality is of the choice of Lot when we do that? The reality is we still have all the consequence of that. It doesn't just disappear. The children, as they went through the pain of the divorce, that doesn't just disappear. But it's now saying, okay, God, you, you help me in the mess. And God is so willing to do that with you. Will you this day choose him? Even though you've chosen the way of Lot, will you trust in him? And what we now see as we move into verse 14 is that God worked in Abraham, and Abraham chose to trust God's promises over the circumstance. You've got to understand something. Lot, or Abram, as he, as he is at that, that, that precipice, what's the word? The, the place he looks over the valley? Precipice. precipice. Thank you, thank you. Precipice. As he's looking over the valley, and he says, Lot, you choose. Trusting God, Here's the situation. He just opened up, like many of you have, along with myself, we opened up our retirement account and our mutual funds. And we recognized uh, that we've lost about over 50% of our retirement account. That's where Abram's right there. I've given up. It's out of my control. But I don't have it. Half of my... Investments are gone. How is God going to work this out? I know many of you are there today. If you're like me, again, you wept for quite a long time <laughs> as you opened up your year-end statement. And you honestly, you go, Father, really, like, will this ever get back? I mean, how does this work? Abram chose to trust at this point over God, uh, God's promises, over his immediate circumstance. You see, the world reminds us, consumer reports, which I get, rebuild your nest egg. You need to rebuild it. 17 moves to make now to secure your future. I have one move now. Trust in the Lord God with all your heart. Maybe two moves. Seek his kingdom, and all these things will be added unto you. 
It's very easy to go here. And you know what? We're, we're called to be good stewards. I understand that. My question again to each of us is, are we going, oh my goodness, I'm getting anxious and I'm worrying and how will this, how will this work out? I don't have a job right now. Literally, I can't pay the bills. God, did you forget me? What is going on in my life? How will this play out? Abram is trusting God to move him and his promises. In chapter 12, he said, I'm going to provide the land for you. It's yours. I covenant with you. Here's your blessings. I want you to have this land. And then what he does is God says to Abram, Abram, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. I want you to see as I see. See all that's before you, north, west, south, east. See all of that. That's all yours. I've given it to you. It's yours. I want you to see with my eyes who you are as my children of God. Look at the birds of the sky and the lilies of the field. And look how I take care of them. What is the promise of God? What's the reminder of God? Are you, my beloved children, are you not so much more valuable than they? So why do you worry about what you shall eat, about what you shall drink, about clothing, about your house? Why? Don't you think the Father knows your needs? He will take care of you. That's our God. Abraham was able to see with God's eyes. You see, we're stuck in the inversion often. I took my son up Friday to Bogus. I highly recommend it. You will see above the inversion. The light, truly the light of God. And his beauty. And that's the way God sees all the time, which is, look at this beauty. Look my life that I have for you. And so, Abram, I want you to see, and dear children of God, without work right now, I want you to remember who you are to me. Don't feel like you have to build your own nest egg. Allow me to work in your life and minister to you. Because God meets our needs. And then this is the final deal with Abram. He's trusting God, and then it says, Abram picked up and he moved his tents to Mamre. And he moves over there. That place means fatness. And it's meant to, to represent that we are fat. We are full of God. It is full of blessing here. It's the land of Canaan. It didn't seem like it would work out. It's a lot of dust. And here's what he chooses to do. And I hope this is our choice. He sets his tent there. And again, it's just a tent he didn't build a condo like Lot did in Sodom. That our lives would be that of the tent. Trusting God to move us where he needs to move us. And then what does he do? And he builds an altar there. And it finishes up in chapter 13. And he worshipped God there. The life of the tent and the altar. That we would choose to follow him. And that in all of our circumstance, that we would choose to acknowledge him and give worship to our God. He loves you, dear children. And I pray today that we would choose him.
Let's pray. Father, we right now want to acknowledge you in all of our ways. And again, Father, empower us today. And all the choices that we will face, again, as we leave this room, Lord, we surrender those to you. And so, Father, would you, again, just, just give us you. Pour yourself into our lives. And, Father, we build an altar to you right now. We come to you in praise, and we come to you in worship, and we want to say thank you for loving us, that our lives are more valuable than just the, the birds of the sky and the lilies of the field, and, and how much more we are to you as your children. Thank you for loving us like that. And Father, we do. We ask that you would cover these dear families who are hurting financially without work. Cover them, Father. Minister to them. Help them to trust you when when their faith is weak. Help us all to rest in you in times that are uncertain and confusing. We acknowledge you as our Lord and our Savior. And we say this morning that we love you, Jesus. Receive our worship, we pray. Amen.